tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Just say the baby was in the trash can. It had been found by the cleaning crew. The cleaning crew had just cleaned the bathroom. You can still smell the, you know, the cleaning fluid, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just a very clean bathroom, except what was in that trash can. And we're going to talk about what was in that trash can. That's Chuck Horton. Chuck Horton, now on the Oconee County Commission, was for a time the chair of the Oconee County School Board. Uh, At the time in question, and we're going to go all the way back to the mid-90s now, at the time in question, chief of police at the University of Georgia, Chuck Horton. That you just heard from the Classic City Crime podcast, Cameron J., our Cameron J., operating that podcast, and with us now to talk about the Jonathan Foundling case, very much in the news in recent days, after not being in the news for several years. 96, January of 96, if I have my facts right, uh, the grim discovery is outlined by Chuck Horton there. Uh, The baby's body found in a trash can, stabbed to death. Okay, who put it there? Speculation almost immediately, well, mom put it there, but who's mom? All these years later, we have a sense of who mom was, and we'll talk about that with Cameron J. Cameron J., thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me, two times in one week. Yeah, a lot to talk (laughs) about this morning. Uh, But yeah, first of all, about that podcast. Now, we've we've discussed this podcast in a different context, a different crime, uh, in, in, in earlier episodes. Tell me about the podcast, Classic City Crime. Yeah, we started it at the beginning of the pandemic, and one thing that was our goal, and when I say our, I mean the community that we formed together with the people out there listening, was to look back at cases in Athens that had long time been forgotten, um, you know, with the passage of time, with Mm -hmm. the current crime that continues to happen, that kind of makes cases from back in the day kind of go to the wayside and to the back of people's minds. So, you know, the goal of the podcast was to revisit those cases with the hopes that the truth could be out there and that someone somewhere might be compelled to come and forward the By the way, it, it, the, the case we discussed, I don't know, a month or so, a couple of months ago, uh, the the Tara Baker case, yes. University of Georgia law student, killed East Side town home, uh, unsolved murder to this day. That actually led to, I mean, that your podcast contributing to the conversation that led to some legislation. Absolutely. Uh, we're excited. I believe today we're going to see a final vote on that bill at the Capitol with uh, the clock ticking, of course, mm. with it the last day of legislative session. Um, but we're really grateful for that bill that's going to re- uh, create a reporting requirement for unsolved cases across the state, give families an opportunity to have their case looked at again, and make sure that families get a death certificate in a timely manner because Tara's family waited 10 years. Wow. I never knew that part of that story. Wow. Why? You know, I believe at the time police were worried that by releasing the death certificate, there might be holdback information listed that, you know, they want, they didn't want the public to know about. Because that might inform the killer. Exactly, exactly. But 
after those 10 years, we found it was a pretty generic cause of death that could have been released a lot sooner. All right. Uh, to this case, the Jonathan Foundling case, and that was the name given the little boy so horrifically killed uh, and found in that, as you heard Chuck Horton then say, uh, found in the what the trash can of that yeah. basement bathroom at Oglethorpe House, Oglethorpe Residence Hall at the University of Georgia. Let me begin with a big question here, because the news, in case people are missing this, uh, a week or so ago came word. I think the Banner Herald had it first, yes. but whoever. We, we now know, we think we know, police say we know, the name of the mother, Catherine Grant. And her circumstances uh, committed suicide, evidently, in 2004, 2004. Let me ask a big question first, and then we'll go back and fill in some blanks. Based on what we know, and based on what you might think, and you're going to speculate some here as well, had she not committed suicide, if the news were we've tracked her down and we've arrested her, would there be enough to prosecute and convict? Well, I certainly believe that when you look at cases across the country that are being solved with DNA technology, there is a lot to be said about the advancements in science that have happened from 1996 uh, to 2023. Uh, one of those specifically being genealogical DNA testing, where they are able to take a sample and compare it with genealogical databases across the country and find distant relatives that they're then able to trace back to cities like Athens and find who was the relative living in that area at that time. Um, so I do believe there would have been plenty of evidence there. The question would have then been for prosecutors and attorneys to decide what the best route would be. And I'll say mm -hmm. one thing. I think the narrative that we are seeing around this story might be much different if Catherine Grant were alive and had a family now mm. um, and were living, you know, this lifestyle that, uh, you know, her baby in 1996, quite frankly, never will have the chance to sure. have. Now, we're, we're working at this kind of backwards, but let's, let's do it a little bit for a moment here and see where it leads us here. Okay, we've determined. The DNA has determined that Catherine Grant, the mother, but does it necessarily determine that Catherine Grant is the killer? Well, I'll tell you that the University of Georgia police believe that, um, mm -hmm. and I'm going to join them in believing that. And that's the easiest thing to believe, but... Uh, Absolutely. Well, when you look at the crime scene and the information that we uncovered through interviews with former police chief Horton that you he heard earlier, as well as Connie Sampson, who was his assistant police mm -hmm. chief, you find that the evidence that was found in that basement bathroom really point to a birth actually happening there, too. Mm. So it would really be hard to imagine that the birth took place and then someone else came along mm. uh, and, and killed the child. So, uh, unless it was maybe with some complicity. Correct. Correct. So, you know, I believe that all the facts that we see in the police report, which is pretty long and thorough from mm -hmm. back in 1996, yes, but also the recent report released regarding the you know, DNA match, uh, it seems pretty unequivocal that Catherine Grant did in fact kill her child. And I know that's hard to believe. It really is a very difficult case. Well, and you talked about that. And in talking with Chief Horton, uh, now Commissioner Horton, for the purpose of the Classic City Crime podcast, uh, Cameron Jay, uh, all these years later, and, and there, I'm sure, is some aspect of dredging up things emotionally and otherwise mm -hmm. that have been dormant for a few years. But all these years later, it, it is, to some extent, you tell me, difficult for him to talk about this. It's difficult for him to talk about, absolutely. You know, when I saw the news come across my desk sitting in the office right across from here last mm -hmm. week, my phone was going crazy with listeners, you know, messaging me, have you seen the news? Have you seen the news? And of course, I had not at that point. I was busy working in the radio sphere. <laughs> uh, but the first person I called was Chuck Horton. And the first thing out of his mouth was, there are no winners here. 
There is resolution mm. for the police that worked this case. There's certainly resolution for the countless members of this community who encouraged me to cover the case. But there's no winners here. You have an, a dead infant baby boy. You have his mother who has died by suicide, therefore taking with her the answer to the one question everyone wants mm -hmm. the answer to, which is why. And you have, you know, people that are forever scarred, really, by what they saw in that basement bathroom and the, and the things that came in the days and weeks after. What was the cause of death? Uh, what, what led to the baby ultimately being killed? All, all I'm going to say is there was a lot of trauma to that child. Mm -hmm. A lot of trauma. So the police chief, then the police chief of the University of Georgia, that's Chuck Horton, now an Oconee County Commissioner, talking there with Cameron Jay, as we are talking with Cameron Jay. That is from Cameron's podcast, Classic City Crime. Tell me again, this was a pandemic startup, if you will, Classic City Crime. Yes, and who would have thought we would have rounded it out last week at 1.3 million listens? Whoa. <laughs> I mean, Grateful I, for I, the community I, for that. I'm, I'm stunned by that. Let me, let me just say that. I, I, I have no idea what my own numbers are. I'm guessing they're not around 1.3, but I don't know. Neither here nor there. No, the horrific crime, the, 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 the name that was given the little boy, of course, who was never named uh, by his mother. We believe the mother to be the killer. And that's the news here is that uh, we've tracked down the mother. She is deceased. Catherine Grant was her name. Uh, January 96 gives birth, we believe, in that basement at Oglethorpe House, uh, University of Georgia Residence Hall. Uh, gives birth and promptly kills the baby. Uh, and again, this is graphic stuff. My understanding is and placenta was actually found in the trash can yes. with the baby. Yes. How did we, and, and here's where I need to have done some more reading on this, but I, I, my cursory reading tells me if I'm wrong, fine. Uh, we found Catherine Grant, learned of her after found, finding through DNA the father. Is that correct? That is correct. Oh. And I just want to make one point of information for the listeners out there. Jonathan Foundling was the name given to him by investigators. Wow. Foundling is a name given, sure. given to any infant sure. in Georgia found without a name. Okay. Jonathan was the name Connie Sampson, the mm. assistant police chief, gave him uh, because she said he deserved a first name. Absolutely. And that's what she gave him. But, uh, yes, the boyfriend was found first. Or I, actually, I should say, he wasn't even a boyfriend. What it mm. seems like he was was a casual relationship mm. sexually back mm -hmm. in 1990. 96 with a young woman at UGA. They if found in 95 if he was Correct. Spring of 1995. Mm -hmm. And so um yeah, they start doing this testing and what they find are a possible match for two people um at UGA mm -hmm. uh, around 1995-1996 and what they were were two brothers. Mm. Uh, they contact one of those brothers and he does say, well, you know, I did have a sexual relationship with a young woman in 1995 that didn't last, you know, more than a month. And after that relationship ended, we never really saw each other, but once or twice mm -hmm. around campus. Um, and ultimately, uh, he could not remember her name. Mm -hmm. He was able to give a description of her, uh, but ultimately, you know, couldn't settle on that name. So they kept talking with police. And finally, he says, well, maybe... Her last name might have been Grant. And that's when police went back to the rosters of the, of the University of Georgia's O-House dorm and find that there was one young woman uh, in the fall of night or the spring rather of 1996 uh, who had that last name. Wow. And so then what they have to do is say, well, we have a name but we still have to get a DNA sample from someone in her family mm -hmm. to be able to connect her as a, as a match to this child. And they found a brother of Catherine Grant mm -hmm. uh, over in the Savannah area 
who uh, willingly agreed to meet with them and talk with them um, and ultimately gave his DNA. And once the DNA came back on him, it was around 100% match. Uh, mm-hmm. As close as you can yeah. get scientifically is the word that Othram, which is the group that performed this, said uh, that he was the uncle of the child. And I want to make one thing clear. Both that partner of Catherine from 1995 and her brother state unequivocally in police reports and the brother specifically to me in an episode released yesterday, uh, they did not know that she was pregnant. That's the understanding is that the family in general did not know of this pregnancy and didn't know of this, obviously, the horrific death of the little boy. So what do we know now about Catherine Grant? From what I've read, I did... Kind of a sketchy status as a student by the time all this was going down, dropping out of classes and that sort of thing. Anyway, do we even know where she was from? South Carolina. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, and, and enrolled but not particularly active in class is what I'm led to understand. Well, what we look at is the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at the spring of 1995, which would have co- coincided with around the time that she would have become pregnant mm-hmm. with perhaps an unexpected pregnancy, mm-hmm. we see her grades start to decline. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall, we see her start withdrawing from a few classes. By the spring of 1996, after we know the baby would have been murdered, um, we see her withdraw from some classes and ultimately transfer away from the University of Georgia to finish at Newberry College in a veterinary technologist program. But here's the interesting thing. And Wayne Ford and I talked about this yesterday from the Athens Banner Herald. Wayne Ford Banner Herald. Yes. Um, Instead of staying as far away from Athens as Catherine Grant could, she came back after she graduated from that program and ended up being employed by the University of Georgia in the university's College of Veterinary Medicine. But again, I've spoken with colleagues that worked with her there, family, friends, who all continue to be shocked and are dealing with a lot of tragedy here, you know, in learning about Mm. this infant baby boy, yes, but also in reconciling the Catherine Grant they all knew with the Catherine Grant that was in that basement bathroom that cold day in 1996. And I can't imagine what that reconciliation process is going to look like. Cameron J, Classic City Crime Podcast, doing the deep dive on this. How long was she employed at UGA and what, what happened next or do we know? Uh, it She was employed there until 2004, I believe around okay. 2002 to 2004. And 2004, the and year in which she 2004 would have been the suicide. year that she died by suicide. Yeah. Oh, where did that happen? Here Wilkes County. Else? Wilkes okay. County. But, you know, I spoke with a colleague who, again, whose interview you can hear this week on the podcast, who said that she and her had actually switched shifts and that Catherine was scheduled to work for her that Saturday and, of course, never showed up, but said the entire week she was in good spirits. Uh, but her brother made a point. He said, you know, when you look at my sister's um, untimely death at her own hands. How old would she have been? Uh, 29, I believe. Yes. Uh, When you look at that death, though, he said, for so long, I couldn't understand why she would have done that. Perhaps now we all know the answer yeah. to that question. And and maybe, and I, I'm, I shouldn't go terribly far down this road, but if you tell me that the last thing anybody knew about her was that she was in good spirits, maybe she's made a decision, come to some resolution in her own way, making peace with all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm playing amateur psychologist, and I probably shouldn't do that. But only on the other hand, it doesn't seem all that unreasonable. Well, you know, her brother also said that perhaps she did, while she was never prosecuted in a court of law for what happened at the university's dorm, um, perhaps she prosecuted herself, yeah. right, every day and, and, of her and life And ultimately after that. executed a sentence. Correct. Yeah. Very sad. 
So what do we do now? Uh, and and uh, again, we, we think we've solved this case. I know there's not much more to do in terms of this case. You mentioned law enforcement first responders who to this day live with what they saw in that moment. Uh, you mentioned the family, the brother and, and other people, people who worked with her and knew her. Uh, what's next, if anything, here? Where does this go? Well, I think there are several things. The first thing this should serve for is to the athens Clark County Police and any agency across the state and country is that when we employ new technology, we can bring closure to mm. these cases that have been long outstanding. I think that's the first lesson for us to learn. The second thing I want us to remember is to never forget. I don't want to forget about Jonathan Foundling. And I don't want to forget about this story because I think it's important. We always say, you know, as hackneyed as the phrase may be, that the best way to prevent something from happening again is to talk about mm -hmm. what happened. So I think having these hard, tough conversations like we are right now is so important in that process. And the last piece here is to remind young women who might encounter, you know, these types of issues of unwanted pregnancy, surprise pregnancy, we have to be supportive of them. Uh, we need to be making sure that there are access to mental health resources and health care um, across the board uh, to ensure that something like this truly doesn't happen again. And I hope if there's anyone out there struggling uh, that they will hear this and reach out to someone. 988 is that suicide mm -hmm. number that people can text. Um, so take care of yourselves. You know, there. and I, I, I may be about to tell a tale out of school here, but you and I were talking during the break here. One of the things you're working on is, is a nonprofit that deals with these kind of cold cases. Yes, absolutely, because I believe what this case shows, what the fact that we generated at our podcast so many new leads about Tara's Baker case shows, mm -hmm. is that when you go back, when you take a look, and when you talk about these cases in the modern day, using both technology, yes, but media, right, like we do here, mm -hmm. uh, you really do have a greater chance of seeing resolution. And what that really means is you're bringing closure to victims, families across the state and across the country. Completely sandbag you here. Mm -hmm. oh, this has no. okay. Have you done anything at all? Have you looked at, do you know anything about it? If I toss the phrase Moore's Ford out there, does that mean anything to you? The last mass lynching in America, unsolved to yes, this day, 1946, yep. Walton County, Oconee County line, yes. the, the four young black people. Unsolved to this day. I don't know if that's one for class. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. You got a full plate. But, man, you're looking into these cold. There's one that's almost a century old, 75 years old now. Yeah, I think that as far back as we can go, especially those that are so violent and involve so many people, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, uh, deserve a second, third, fourth look, however long it takes because we have technology now we have resources that didn't exist so let's crack open those case files and jurisdictions across the country uh, again the podcast north of a million people or a million listens probably not a million people some people listening twice but, but they million 1.3 million uh yeah. listens now for classic city crime podcast cameron j fascinating stuff and great work on this jonathan foundling case thanks for the information this morning thanks for rolling in as